The news is focused on COVID and the lockdown. However, what they are not focusing on is something very important to you, and that is your earnings and your income. For decades now, financial experts like multi-billionaire Warren Buffett and many others have stressed the need to create passive income. Now, more than ever, creating additional income and having multiple income streams is no longer a luxury. It's an absolute necessity. We at Liquidity Card Solution are very pleased to announce that we are accepting applications for individuals to become global project partners and earn a guaranteed growing monthly passive income. The Liquidity Card Solution is a 21-year-old international company that four years ago developed a unique automated digital process that does one simple thing. We save individuals and businesses huge amounts of money on their taxes. That's something people love to hear. We also have zero competition in the world market right now. How do we make money? Very simply. Every single one of our clients pays us $12.50 every month. Our target in our global marketing campaign is 8 million new clients in the next 36 months. As a global project partner, you are not required to sell our product or get involved in administering any part of our business. You are simply a project partner, a silent partner. Earn a guaranteed growing monthly passive income. Now you can become a global project partner in a multi-billion dollar project with a 100% written money back guarantee, as well as earning passive income. Apply today to become a global project partner and say, Kovi, leave my income alone. We look forward to receiving your application. Please visit www.mypassiveincome.life www.mypassiveincome.life Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the 30th episode of the Your Best Lifestyle podcast. Thank you so much. We are international right now in 53 different companies. 53 different countries, excuse me, but 1.3 million listeners. Thank you so much for the uh, feedback, the shares, all the comments, the advertising with us. Thank you. Big shout-out to our sponsors. We really appreciate you guys. Uh, we couldn't do it without you, so thank you, man. You know, we, we really the numbers are looking good, and we're really going up there right now as far as listeners and the shares and advertising. We really, it's a really great feeling. Thank you so much. Um, yeah, man, happy Monday, happy Easter Monday at that, you know, and I hope you guys had a good weekend, a good Easter. You was able to uh, spend time with your family members and, you know, get a good meal in and, you know, really trying to participate a little bit, you know, outside of the quarantine situation. So I know it's really crazy right now. Um, the whole country, the whole world is actually shut down pretty much, so but, you know, through it all, you know, look at the silver lining and everything. It could be worse. And for some people, it is worse. But if you look at your situation, you figure out what the silver lines are, you know, what the blessings are. You know, you you can still have work. You can still have a, a house. You know, you can still have uh, finances that you can get to your necessary needs uh, or necessities in the hygiene products, food, water, all that stuff like that. So you have everything that you need. So it's a big deal, man. So, you know, don't look at it as um, a situation, a pandemic, which it is, but look at it as an opportunity to grow, an opportunity to self-improve, 
you know, mentally, emotionally, you can get your, physically, get your exercise in, eat well. You can write that book, finish up those that degree, whatever you have to do, you know. So um, highly successful and motivating people, a high performance, they're going to look at this as an opportunity to self-improve or to grow their business or become a better person. Maybe you need to lose 30, 40, 50 pounds. Uh, maybe you need to, you know, uh, revamp on your skills right now. Maybe you was laid off and you want to start that business, you know, this is an opportunity to do so, man. Or maybe your career was just so high powered and you didn't give no time to rest or to relax. Maybe you can take this as an opportunity to just relax your mind, relax your body and your soul, you know, and really do some um, soul searching for yourself because finally you was, you, you was complaining about that job was getting on your nerve and you're traveling all over the country for the job and you just didn't have that time to spend with your family members or you're making great a great income and you just didn't have that time to, you know, spend it. Now's the opportunity for you to revamp and figure out what's going on with you now. Just sit back, put your feet up and just get caught up with your family members, get caught up with all the things that you, you know you would you would like to do when you're traveling but you couldn't do because, you know, you was always on the move. Now it's an opportunity. So, you know, you can take this COVID-19 as a time to do a, a mental and emotional checkup, pop that hood, and see what's going on. Uh, give yourself a tune-up, give yourself an oil change, change the plugs, sparks, uh, uh, change the wiring, do whatever you have to do, man. It's making sure that you are really on point, okay? So, yeah, man, you know, we, we thank everybody for the shares and everything like that. The feedback has been tremendous, and we really appreciate you guys. Thank you. So once again, I am I really, you know, can't stress this enough that you really take care of yourself at this at this time. Okay, do not binge eat, do not overeat, do not eat your feelings, do not drink your feelings. Um, control your stress. You know, make sure that you can you know uh, participate in uh, emotional intelligence. Because, you know, with this COVID-19, it's attacking our respiratory system. So when your immune system is weak, it has a more opportunity to come in to penetrate your body like that or into your cells. So if you are quarantined, you're not working out, you, you know, you're lowering your, your immune system, so you just increase your risk, you know, by a few points, okay? So you want to make sure that you're on point and then you're taking care of yourself. It's a big deal, okay? Don't you know, don't confuse it, all right? It's a big deal to really take care of yourself, okay? So I can't stress that enough. And um, so, yeah, so we're just going to get straight into the podcast, man. I'm super excited to have uh, a mental health professional here right now, you know, and pretty much she has a background in um, psychology, and her name is Dr. Amber Beal, Ph.D., MBA, you know, Dr. Amber Beal or her doctorate degree in clinical psychology and her master's of art degree in clinical psychology um, from Chicago School of Professional Psychology. She completed her American Psychology Association, APA, accredited internship at Regional Mental Health Center in Maryville, Indiana. During her internship experience, she was able to participate in the following rotations, the outpatient substance abuse unit, the independent uh, inpatient unit and the primary health unit as a behavioral counselor in the federally qualified health center. Her published dissertation is titled Examine 
examining his former parole uh, agent stress and burnout while on the job of the Illinois Department of Corrections. Okay, I'm going to start right there. Um, I want to touch bases on that. And, and that seems to sums it up, but there's so much more. And we're going, we're going to get back into some more questions with her um, a bio as we get started. But, you know, okay, welcome in, uh, Dr. Bill. How are you doing? I'm good. Thank you so much for having me. Yeah, thank you for so much for taking time out of your productive schedule to come on to the Your Best Lifestyle podcast. And we really appreciate you, especially during this time, because I've been looking to talk to somebody um, like yourself in your profession about uh, COVID-19, the stress it's putting on people, not just physically, but mentally and emotionally. You know, um, what are you seeing right now in your day-to-day practice right now with people who are suffering from some type of mental illness or depression, anxiety, or PTSD right now? PTSD, excuse me. So um, what I want to kind of just really put out here um, is some information, some recommendations. So what I have seen um, just in where I work um, and just in the community is a lot of fear. And I think that that is going to play into a lot of anxiety. I think that people need to understand that during this time, Um, It's okay to be anxious. It's okay to have anxious feelings. Um, There's a lot of ambiguity about what COVID is, even though they're starting to come up with, you know, some clarity. But there's a lot of ambiguity about what it is, how to manage it, how to avoid it. Um, So there, there should be some anxiety. And anxiety can be healthy at times. So I don't want people to think, oh, I'm anxious or I'm afraid, and that's something that um, is abnormal. Um, so people should be stressed out. People are losing their jobs. People should be anxious. People are going to be fearful. However, there kind of can be a fine line between when it becomes a mental health crisis and when it's something that is to be expected. Um, yeah, yeah. A lot of people, yeah. they, they stigmatize ahead. mental health. Um, and I think that we, as professionals in this industry, should be trying to destigmatize mental health, especially in the African-American community or amongst people who are of a lower socioeconomic status. Um, so I think that people need to be really mindful during this time Um, and try to really reach out to um, their community, whatever their community looks like, be it family, uh, be it friends, whoever it is, social, if you have a a healthy social media network. But just trying to stay connected as much as possible during a time where they're pushing social distancing. Um, I think that's important because, during a time where people um, experience depression, isolation is something that they tend to do. So it's kind of hard to say, hey, social distance um, for a person who may be experiencing 
you're experiencing some depression because then it's kind of like the outlets that they may have had are kind of gone. Um, so especially people who are experiencing depression, they should be kind of really mindful of their feelings and trying to find as much support as they can and to not isolate. Um, yeah. I think that's very important and very key. Yeah, awesome. I know a lot of people who I meet or who I who I know that goes to goes into depression. They're having a real hard time right now. And some of them are clients of mine, some of them are former clients of mine and you know, when they call me or they talk to me, they're just like, Yo, I'm having a, a struggle right now But one thing I feel like they are reluctant to call their therapist at this time. And I don't understand the reason why of that. You know, what what do you think that might be a reason why if somebody who's dealing with depression and anything like that, they have to reach out to this to the physical um, to the psychiatrist that they may not want to check in this time? Because I really don't get it. Because I think sometimes with depression comes some shame. I think that they could be ashamed that they're feeling this way. Um, and so they kind of feel like, oh, I don't want to bother my psychologist. I don't want to bother my psychiatrist. So they kind of feel that shame where they kind of feel as if they're a burden, and that is something that, you know, you can't tell anybody not to feel, but you don't want them to feel that way because that's what we're kind of here for. Uh, therapists are there to provide that support, and sometimes they don't want to feel like that burden. Um, so that's it's kind of a tricky situation. It's kind of um Yeah. So you want the support but you don't want to to um I don't know, kind of feel like you're bothering somebody. To kind of put it in layman's terms. Even though you're not bothering somebody, you feel like you're bothering somebody. Uh, yeah, but you know, know Yeah, I I, un- I understand that, but you know, they they're calling me. <laughs> you know, and um, I'm not I'm not the therapist, but I, you know I'm more like, you know, um, the exercise coach, a wellness coach, and I get that too. But I, I, as an exercise consultant and a, a, a exercise therapist, it's not my scope of practice per se, mm-hmm. clinically, to give them certain type of advice that they should use to try to control depression or, or, or the stress levels. I mean, we can exercise, we can eat right, we can meditate, but I keep trying to tell them, I'm like, look, you know, it's not my scope of practice. You're going to really have to reach in. I think they, they could be because it may be a, a social economic, you know, uh, pressure that maybe they don't have the money for the session. You know, I don't know, but they're not relinquishing to me why they're not contacting their their therapist, and it's kind of strange to me, you know. And um, so I, I wanted to ask you that question because, you know, they're dealing with that. They, they're dealing with grief. Maybe they lost a family member um, from this pandemic. Obviously, I mean, they lost their lost their job. You know, they're they're uh, worrying about losing their home. You know, and um, they're homeschooling, so it's a lot of pressure there. It's a lot of pressure there, and I really just want to try to figure out what's going on with people uh, uh, mentally and emotionally, and, I, and I'm and i just so happy to have you here to kind of like shed some light right now. Um, what, what, when you see, how do, you mentioned earlier about good anxiety, 
explain uh, what do you mean by good anxiety? Because I think a lot of people, when they say anxiety, they, they only associate that with, with the bad stuff that comes with anxiety. So what exactly is uh, good anxiety? So two parts to, that, to this answer. So I think that when people think of um, anxiety, they think of the worry, they think of the fear, they think of the physical symptoms that they may experience, the rapid heart, rapid heart beat, the breathing, all of those things, and they think of that as a negative thing. However, when you go to a job interview or you're starting a new business, you have that anxiety there too. But in that particular instance, that anxiety is kind of pushing you to do the thing that you need to do in order to get your business established, to interview well, so that's the good anxiety. So anxiety is not always something that causes distress, and I think people need to understand that uh, conditions become mental health disorders when they're causing a distress in your everyday life. So I may be anxious because, because I'm going to meet um, somebody for the first time. I'm going on a first date, so I'm a little anxious about it. But that is not going to cause me to sit in the house and not go on that date because I'm so anxious. If it were that situation, then that's, that's when it crosses over to that potentially being a mental health condition. Yeah. So there's yeah. a fine wow. line. It just has to, it depends on the distress that it causes. So just even with the coronavirus going on, some people may be really, really anxious about it, and they may still be able to go to the grocery store. You know, they may still be able to do the, the things that they need to do to survive. However, let's say the coronavirus epidemic is over, okay, and now they won't leave their house because they're so fearful that they may contract uh, the virus or something may happen. So now they're in the house all the time. They, never, they won't leave. So now it has come to a point where that anxiety originally was anxiety, um, although it wasn't distressing to them. They were still able to, you know, live their lives and do the things they needed to do whereas now it's crossed over and now it has become conditioned. Yeah. Wow. Yeah, I understand that. I was just saying just on a couple of days ago, I say even when they lift this quarantine ban, I may not even come outside myself for a little while. I'm thinking that everybody's going to be running to get outdoors, and um, I don't want to be one of them right yet. So I got, I'm kind of suffering from I wouldn't say suffering from it, but – I still have a low taste of anxiety about that because I think it's going to be like the floodgates going to just be open and people just going to be dying to get out there. And I'm more like, uh, I'm just going to stay quarantined for like another month or so to see what happens. So I'm dealing with a little bit of anxiety with that as well. And I can't really, you know, because I deal with the public so much, I figure like, oh, I'm just going to go do my thing and then come back home. I'm not trying to go to so many social events because my mind, you know, is like uh, I'm a little apprehensive about that, you know. So when it when it comes down to mental health and and food, is there a connection there? Um, if people get depressed, do they find food as a coping mechanism? Um, what are your What are your thoughts about that, Doctor Bill? Oh, absolutely, and it's funny that you say that because I'm in the process of writing a book about that as we speak. Um, so, yes, you know, people use a lot of different things, especially food, because food is easy. 
I can go down the street to McDonald's and get the food. I can go um, in my refrigerator and get the food. And it's more of a socially accepted, you know, phenomenon. Everybody has to eat. So people are not going to look at you at McDonald's and say, you know what, you're emotionally eating. So there's no accountability there for it. But, yes, people turn to food all the time. There's a lot of biological factors why they turn to food, especially with sugar, um, as well as, you know, just for comfort. They're seeking comfort. Mm -hmm. And so um, that food is the mechanism that they're using to find that comfort. Yeah, I was was telling somebody the other day, I said, you know, if you get stressed or you're dealing with depression and anxiety, don't eat your feelings or don't reward your stress or depression with food because over time you're going to start to, like let's say you got a big bag of chips. You're going to start munching on that chip before you know within 20 minutes that bag is done, you know, and if you're not paying attention to nutrition and you're only focusing on food, then in turn you're going, that depression may lead into clinical obesity or stroke or hypertension or even type 2 diabetes, you know, and I've seen that so many times before with people who have mental health issues. They just they use food as a coping mechanism. So outside of food, it's, it's, you know, I know this is a basic question, you know, for you and for the listeners, but how is alcohol uh, connected to um, people with mental health issues? Well, the same thing. I think people are trying to to numb or trying to lessen what they're experiencing. And sometimes alcohol is used to numb. You know, they're able to forget whatever it is they're trying to forget or they're able to better cope. You know, some people may have really um, big issues with social anxiety, and so they go to the party, but in order to be social, they have to drink. So those kind of habits can form and become maladaptive coping mechanisms. And so people use alcohol, people use drugs, people use sex. I mean, people use abundant shopping. They overshop. They go spend their whole check and knowing they didn't have their check. So, you know, a lot of, of different areas can be used to cope, even though those coping mechanisms may cause issues, you know, down the line in other ways as well. So it's kind of like you're using A, B, or C to cope, but then in using A, B, and C, you cause D, E, and F to occur. Yeah, it's kind of like yeah. A, a, cycle, a cycle going on. Yeah, yeah, and that's, and that's another thing because when people uh, include a lot of alcohol to deal with their stress or depression or anxiety, it naturally lowers your immune system as well, and that's something that you don't want to happen during this COVID-19 process. You know, you, don't, you want to keep your immune system as fortified, as strong, as you possibly can to prevent any type of uh, contraction of this virus. So, I mean, I, I, I got friends that, they, you know, on my social media timeline, they posted all the liquor that they bought. I'm like, Lord, do the stuff. You know what I'm saying? Don't do it. You know, it, it's just crazy right now. But I know some of them who deal, who suffer from depression and now alcohol, just like food, has become one of those coping mechanisms as well. So, um, Dr. Bill, you spent like 19 years in the uh, as a senior parole agent for the state of Illinois, the Department of Corrections. Uh, and, and, you know, what are your thoughts right now with 
uh, inmates or Department of Correction right now doing this this uh, quarantine or this COVID-19 thing? Is it is it more challenging now for people to uh, be incarcerated or for the workers to maintain um, the department right now? What do you what are your thoughts on that? I think it's a very stressful time for everybody, um, especially in the Department of Corrections across the uh, United States, because you, you're dealing with a whole, um, a whole other ballgame. So you can't tell them to social distance, like where are you going to put them? Um, so now you're dealing with them not being able to social distance. You're dealing with probably a big increase in the amount of COVID cases within the uh, institution, be it the inmates, be it the employees. So then if you have employees who are contracting the virus, now you're short-staffed. So it's kind of like it's a big circle, another, another vicious cycle, where everybody's going to be affected. No matter if you're a worker, no matter if you're an inmate, everybody's going to be affected who is there. And it, it just really seems like something that is very scary for all involved. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm pretty sure it is because when I read some reports, you know, I was like, whoa, I, I, that got to be stressful, especially if you're an inmate or you're an employee of some type of correctional facility around the world. I mean, what is that stress like? That's going to increase the stress, uh, mental health issue, anxiety, PTSD, especially um, the people who I know that work in corrections. They actually came from um, the military background whether it's Desert Storm or Kuwait, all those things like that. So they, I know for a fact they suffer from PTSD. So now they are forced to do a job. And some people even quit the job because they felt like their that job put them in a, um, a hostile environment with COVID-19. Mm-hmm. And so nobody's really watching the inmates, you know, it's like, oh, my God, you know. So it's, 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 it's a vicious cycle, you know, you're right. You know, it, it's definitely a vicious cycle. And, I, you know, I, I, I pray for everybody that's, that's working, even our clinical professionals, our doctors, our nurses, you know, who are on the front line with this uh, pandemic right now. You know, they're working 13, 14-hour shifts. You know, I know personally nurses who are working long hours, and I check in, I'm like, what, what is your health like? You know, how are you feeling mentally and emotionally right now? And they was like, man, I don't know how I'm doing it, but the the love for their job, the love for helping others, the purpose mm-hmm. really drives them to stay committed during this um, pandemic, you know. But a lot of times when I talk with people, Dr. Bill, I always want to know what their mental and emotional state was or uh, is when they're going through something because you just never know what people are dealing with, even your strong friends needs to get checked out for once in a while, you know what I mean? And uh, it's it's a big it's it's a big deal. So now there's been there's been reports all over the world about increased domestic violence. And uh, because of this COVID nineteen pandemic, people are quarantined and they're in relationships that they don't get along with or they're in a marriage that's going crazy. This is everybody's bugging out. You know, and um speaking of corrections, most most, like, uh, I have family members in Charleston, South Carolina, where uh, they said, man, you know, domestic violence just went up. by They had 30 calls in one night. And I was like, what? And they was, yeah, they was picking people up, 
booking them and realizing they can't hold them because of COVID-19. They were sending them right back home, you know, to put them right back where the victims are, where they was violating. And I was like, man, so is, is, is that part of, well, obviously it's part of the stress of our, our anxiety, our tension there. I mean, what are your thoughts about that? Well, uh, this is kind of a gray area for me, um, but I, I'm thinking that it does have a lot to do with the stress. But I think that um, a lot of the cases that are occurring probably were occurring beforehand. I think that um, also if they weren't necessarily occurring, maybe a person was able to, hey, you know, there's a situation, the situation is escalating, let me leave. Um, and in this situation, they may not be able to leave. They may not be able to leave the house, not that that's ever an excuse to ever hit anybody, but in the situation, they may react. They may, you know, the, the violence is going to increase because now they don't have an outlet. Or it could be even worse. They could lose their job. Now, this person who was, you know, already on the total line between being physically abusive has now become physically abusive. Um, so it, it's a lot, you know, the stressors, you know, you see on TV all the time about movies where, oh, you know, this happens and this happens and this person just becomes this person who starts to beat up on his wife and on his kids. Well, no, those, those traits and things have been there. You know, you, people have to be kind of mindful of that and know what situation they're in. And unfortunately, it's not always the easiest thing to discern or to acknowledge and walk away from, especially when kids are involved. So I think, yeah. you know, it's a, it's a very tough situation to be in. Um, and I just, you know, I just... Yeah, I, I agree with you. You know, it's just, it's, just uh, it's unfortunate because it's been, uh, I know, in, it's been a lot of deaths in the U.K., you know, where people are quarantined and normally they used to have, like, maybe one or two incidents a day now they jumped up to 12 incidents a day because of COVID-19. And um, it's starting to really deal with people. And sometimes when I read reports, it's, a lot of people suffer from mental health issues, depression because mm-hmm. they lost their job or they may have lost a family member and all that stuff like that. And then all of a sudden they just, mm-hmm. they're taking out on family members and everything like that. So, uh, Dr. Bill, how are you personally dealing with uh the quarantine situation right now or with COVID-19, what steps are you taking personally to protect yourself as a mental health professional? Well, as a mental health professional, I, um, I'm being very mindful of leaving the house. Unfortunately, um, I have to still go to work. Um, so I'm there. I go to work every day. So pretty much I leave the house. I go to work and I come back home. Um, Tomorrow will actually be the first day that I'm returning to work um, because I had to be tested due to some exposure. Um, Fortunately, I was negative, so I'm going to return back to work tomorrow. Um, So basically just being very careful, wearing my protective gear, um, you know, doing what I was doing before, just washing my hands, making sure that I'm distancing myself. I've also implemented some, some... vitamins into my daily diet, um, just a slew of different vitamins. Um, I often 
well, I was doing before for my daughter as well because she has really bad asthma. So as far as her being in the house, I do the steam treatments to make sure she stays clear um, and just, just being really careful and mindful. But really, you know, going to work and coming home, and that's pretty much it. Unless I have to go to the store, I do Instacart. If I really, you know, don't have a lot to get, I'll just do something like that just to kind of, you know, not go out. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's excellent. You know, I wanted to ask that because you 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 always want to know what the what uh, the clinical professionals are doing to protect themselves uh, personally outside of work, outside of their career. Because a lot of times we get so um, involved with patients, and then we try to well, we don't try to we neglect our own personal stuff. You know, we don't pay attention that maybe we're stressed and maybe we're not eating right and all that stuff like that. But it's glad to see that you're, you know, in tune with yourself. And like you just said, you're incorporating a lot of vitamins, uh, maybe a multivitamin a day that's going to help you going on. So I know you know all the coping skills and strategies that really control your environment, control your stress levels as a mental health condition. So you um, you mentioned a few minutes ago about the book. Discuss your book a little bit. Tell Tell us what you're working on. So I'm basically working on a book that's um, kind of just discussing um, emotional eating and kind of a trauma and um, some of the other um, mental health conditions that people may experience. So just kind of connecting that and just kind of, you know, just making it something that people can kind of read and understand. Uh, I know sometimes as professionals we tend to get really jargony and, really professional, and my stance is more I want people to understand. So that's kind of the way that I approach therapy when I'm uh, doing therapy or when I'm working with clients, I approach it in a way that, you know, you can understand. Like, I would want somebody to talk to me. So the book is just basically about connecting, you know, the emotional eating to some of the uh, conditions that people may be experiencing and kind of why, kind of putting a little bit of uh, biology in there as to why, um, and just, yeah, that kind of came about within, like, actually the last three days. So I've been working on it the last three days, and I kind of <laughs> hope to get it done, like, within the next couple of weeks. That was actually a topic that I uh, uh, did my community project um, on while I was an internship. So it's something that I've always yeah. wanted to talk about. You know, I've always had, you know, my own struggles with emotional eating. So kind of to talk about it with people from a perspective of somebody who's experienced it versus somebody who's just a professional has no kind of uh, knowledge that they can refer to. Um, right. So kind of where I, I kind of see myself. I, I, I think, I think um, once you complete it, it's, it's going to be an Amazon bestseller or even a New York Times bestseller because right now, especially during this time right now, with COVID-19 and people are maybe overeating, binge eating, or they're suffering from mental health, food is that drug. Food is that, that satiety, that salty, that sugary thing that they need to make them feel good. So, and they don't even know their emotional eating or eating their stress or eating their feelings and stuff like that. So I think that that book will be um, invaluable in the communities around the world to help people identify um, with what they're doing, especially you just said that you, you know, you, you dealt with it yourself personally. So that insight as a, um, 
a psychologist's that insight and then in your own personal struggles with it, it's going to really impact a lot of people around the world, and I can't wait to get it. I know that's going to be a really good book, especially right about now, you know. Well, I certainly appreciate it. I definitely wanted to help. That's my goal in, in all that I've done, all of that, you know, going back to school, going through that whole struggle and process at a at a old an older age. I was one of the oldest people in my class, but you know, yeah, just yeah, I just yeah. knew that I had to help people. I couldn't just sit here yeah. with my experiences yeah. and what I've seen in corrections and all of that and just not do something about it. So my goal and I said this when I first went into class, the first class I went into and they asked us why were we there my goal, and I still stand firm on this, even though they looked at me like I was the craziest person in the world, but <laughs> my goal is to, and they did, my goal is to destigmatize mental health in the black community. Yeah. And, that, and yeah. I'm going to do that. So, you know, that's, that's what I'm here for. Well, you know, and that's a great goal is, is, is you have to do it because I know an African American. When I was coming up in the African community as a little kid, we were taught, especially as young young boys, young men, you know, to take it on the chin, suppress your feelings, you know, you stop crying, toughen up, and all that stuff like that. We were not talked about talking about. We not were not encouraged to talk about our feelings, our emotions. Mm-hmm. So I know me personally. I turned to food. I turned to you know, marijuana consumption. I went to partying. I did all these different things because, you know, I had my own issues. So, you know, we were not taught to be like that. And I think a lot of people now in the African-American community still has that, you know, stigma, you know, suck it up, or you're being, especially for men, or, you know, you're being soft, you know, and um, you can't you can't go to therapy. What's wrong? You need to take that. You know what I'm saying? So are they signed? Are they, no, okay, I'm going to ask you a good question. Between women and men, is there a difference in symptoms of signs when it comes down to depression or mental health issues? I don't think there's really a difference in symptoms or signs. I think it's what they are willing to kind of admit. But I've noticed that when I uh, was doing therapy, I had a lot more male clients than I did female clients, and they, they were really forthcoming with, you know, some of the emotions that they say men are not supposed to have, such as crying and things like that. They were, they were forthcoming with those. So mm-hmm. um, I really don't think there's a difference whether somebody will care to admit what they're truly experiencing or not comes with time. I think when, as a therapist, you build rapport with people, then they're more apt to, you know, open up and feel less judged because that's something that comes with therapy. At first, you may feel judged. You know, you may feel like, hey, this person is looking at me a certain way um, or thinks this way or thinks that way when that is generally not the case. So um, I don't think it's a, a, a big difference it's as far as in the therapeutic, you know, realm. Now, when you're outside with, you know, your boys, you're not going to tell, you know, your boy, hey, you know, I cried last night because A, B, and C happened. You know, whereas in the therapy room, you may say that. So I think it's just yeah. the way that it's expressed in different areas. Yeah. Do you do you feel like with men, well, you just said it was forthcoming, but uh, I went through uh, in 2006, 2007, I, you know, I, I, I got divorced and uh, I initiated a divorce. 
I moved from New York. I had to dissolve businesses and homes. And then I, 39 years old, I moved in with my mother here in Atlanta. I'm 39. And that put me into a depression for a while. And I, I was just doing everything just to suppress um, my thoughts, my emotions, not because of the divorce, but because I lost so much in the divorce. And I'm like, oh, you're 39 years old. You're living with your mama. And I, you know, that freaked me out a little bit. And I went to see a therapist about it, and, I, and she pointed out to me that, you know, I was irritable, I was angry, I was frustrated all the time, and she told me that that was a symptom or a side effect of depression in men. And um, I was like, hmm, I did find myself irritable all the time, I was cranky, you know, I was not in control of my, of my emotions. And um, that stuck with me, so that's that's pretty why um, I asked you that question because, you know, she was more like, you know, women have a tendency when they go through depression, you know, they feel sad or they're feeling, you know, like like crying or whatever. And men be so, like, rah, 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 you know, frustrated and angry and violent, you know. And I, I did so, once, once she said it, I did see myself, like, I was a firecracker. Like, I had triggers. If you said something to me, I was, like, ready to explode. And I really had to get control of that, you know. And this that's been since 2007, 2000, 2006, 2007. And, um, mm-hmm. and I really monitor my, my emotions right now. I had to learn a lot of emotional intelligence. I had to learn a lot mm-hmm. of stress management techniques. You know, I, I never was in anger management or anything like that, but... I don't like the feeling of depression. If I feel like, oh my God, you know, I have to find solutions to get up out of there because I was I was in depressed state for like a good thirty days, man. I I lost twenty pounds, then I gained it back. Mm-hmm. I end up smoking cigarettes. I'm like, what are you doing? I was killing myself, mm-hmm. you know. And I really had to get my life together, man. And I. I the depression actually put me into type 2 diabetes. I almost killed myself. Mm-hmm. I was in ICU for three and a half days. I don't even know why. I was partying. I was overeating. I was drugging. I was dating multiple women. You know, it, I was doing so much just to forget. And three years later, I, I ended up in ICU, you know. Mm-hmm. And I, three and a half days I was like, in ICU, I was like, Lord, if you get me up out of here, <laughs> I'm going to get my mind right. I'm going to get my body right. I'm going to get my emotions right. And, I'm just, and since then, I never look back, you know. And I do know it's 14 inches between the brain and the heart, but in between those 14 inches, it's a tug of war going on. It's a, I, can, I can hear the gunfire. I can hear the swords clanking on each other. I'm trying to make conscious decisions. Um, mm-hmm. I'm afraid of most foods now because I don't want to go back into a diabetes state. I don't want to go back into a depression state. So um, talking to with clinical professionals such as yourself, it helps me, you know, more than you know. Like I, I'll see things that like, okay, I, I can use that in my life, man. You know what I'm saying? So, you know, I just want to say thank you so much, Dr. Beer, for taking time out of your very productive schedule to inspire not only just me in this podcast, but all the listeners that are going to hear this podcast within within the next hour or two once I release it. You know, um, any final words? Um, two things before we close out. Final words or thoughts or even tips or strategies 
far as taking care of your mental and emotional health with this quarantine situation of COVID-19 and where everybody can find you at and just in case that they need therapy? Well, um, as far as uh, guidance, um, so I just kind of would say that if a person is, especially during the quarantine time, experiencing like the sadness or if they're experiencing anything that is kind of not what they normally, and I hate to use the word normal because what is normal, but not that, that, that is outside of their normal uh, range of functioning, so much so that it's causing distress, that I would say that maybe they should seek therapy or talk to somebody about it. Um, so I think that that's, that's important to do, to just kind of be mindful. During this time of isolation, it's kind of like you're, people are being removed from the noise. So while you're being removed from the noise, then you're going to hear more of what you may have either been trying to avoid or um, the distractions are gone. So now you're hearing more. So that could in itself cause a little more distress. So if, you're, if a person is feeling really distressed, extremely sad, crying, and these, these are going on for weeks and weeks and weeks, then uh, I would suggest to, to talk to somebody. Also, just to kind of be mindful or, like, just engage in kind of mindful meditation. There are so many apps that you can find that have, like, guided meditation, just to learn to relax, to learn to bring whatever is happening kind of down, kind of to ground yourself. Um, and then, like, managing stress. Of course, stress now is going to be higher. You know, you're at home. Like you said earlier, you're homeschooling. That in itself I know is a stressor. So you're homeschooling. You're worrying about your finances. So stress is going to be higher. So um, in that, kind of do a self-check to see where you are and how you're coping with the stress. And if you're not coping so well, maybe looking up mechanisms that are, you know, healthy to help you, like if that means. Like for me personally, if I know that I'm super stressed out, I just do silly stuff. Like I'll, and this may sound really bad, but I'll like go and irritate my daughter. And not in a bad way, but like go in there and I'll dance with her. <laughs> I mean, I'm just gonna, <laughs> I'll go in there and I'll dance with her and she'll say, Mom, get out of my room, you know, that kind of thing. But that makes me laugh. And laughter is, is something that, you know, can lift your spirit. So just things to make me laugh. Or I'll go and I'll watch, um, and this is something I've always recommended to clients, if you're sad, don't go watch a sad movie. Go watch something funny. You know, you kind of do what the opposite is of, you, of what you feel. So if you're sad, you know, go listen to some uplifting music. Go uh, watch a, a silly movie. Go watch a comedy. Just do something to kind of combat what you're feeling. Um, go sit in the yard. Go for a, a short walk, you know, um, buy a coloring book. You know, think about things that you used to do as a kid. When you were a kid, what made you happy? Okay, kids used to love to color. Okay, so go find their color book. They color. So just those kind of things, deep breathing, like you breathe in through your nose, you hold it for a couple of seconds, and you breathe out of your mouth like you're blowing out a candle. So things that are going to bring stress levels down. And I think that that's really important. Um, and indulging in things you like. If you like candles, burn your candles. Um, you know, if you like essential oils, burn your oils, whatever, you know, whatever is going to bring you joy, try to engage in those, in those things as long as they're healthy coping mechanisms. 
you know, being mindful as far as food. So just those kind of things. Um, and as far as spirituality, if you, you're spiritual, you know, religious, engage in that. You know, if you pray every day, once a day, well, you're at home now, why not pray twice? So just, just increasing the things that will help you out or will kind of lighten the mood and not focus so much on what's happening, which is hard because of what the media puts out there, but kind of just distancing from that also. Now, as far as contacting me for any reason, I can always be emailed at dramberbeal at gmail.com, and I respond to my emails pretty quickly. Okay. Any, any social media links, LinkedIn, Facebook, Instagram? I'm, I'm on Instagram. I'm a little slow on the social media. I'm getting there, though. But um, on Instagram, it's dr.amber.beal, B-E-A-L. So you can reach me there as well. Your, your um, strategies for relieving stress or controlling your emotions that you just put out to the world is right on point, <laughs> right on point as far as, like, the walking, watching something funny, especially if you're dealing with depression, you know, laughter is the best medicine. You know, you're watching a funny movie, and, you know, that's going to really uh, do it for you. Um, you said something about, you know, aroma, candles, aromatherapy is really good to help to help lower your, uh, your your cortisol hormones, make you feel better, uh, controlling your environment, have your environment set up the way you want to set up. If you're having a hard day at work and you're coming home, you know, you want to make sure that your home is your refuge, your peace, you know, yes. feng way, you know, and uh, you got mm-hmm. your plants, you got your tulips, you got your oils, you got your lavender candles, whatever you may be having. You know, those are the ways to really control your stress levels, you know, and uh, making sure that you are increasing your quality of living and you're not having a breakdown emotionally or mentally that you may have to use um, food as a coping mechanism, you know. And um, like Dr. Dr. Beal says, you know what I'm saying, like there's so much things that you can do with um uh, being with food as an addiction or emotional eating, so uh, that's going to be uh, something that you have to pay attention on because so many people turn to food as a coping mm-hmm. device, you know, and all of a sudden they gained 20 pounds, 30 pounds, you know, and, and, and all of a sudden they're like, they don't know why they're suffering from hypertension or diabetes or being pre-diabetic. Um, I work with a lot of people in corporate America. Um, corporate America, I, I always say, is one of the most volatile any volatile place people can put themselves in for the average of eight to ten hours a day because it's so strenuous, it's so stressful. And then you you know you you may have reports, you may have clients, you may have deadlines, you may have meetings, you may have. Uh, a coworker or a peer trying to sabotage your contribution to the workplace, you're up for a promotion and all type of things. So when all those things happen, if you're not careful, you're going to use food, once again, as a coping device to help deal with the stressors from work. Um, I have clients who were police officers, and they always eat on the go. And if they get a call, they can't finish their meal, so they constantly stress 
or afterward they're constantly having a beer, they drink, and now they got a gut, you know, all these different things like that. So it's it's just a vicious cycle if you don't pay attention to um, what's going on. So anyway, this is the Your Best Lifestyle podcast right here on Spotify, Stitcher, TuneIn, iTunes, Apple, Google. Um, it's soon to be on iHeart. Pandora, we on uh, Anchor, we are on Public Radio Podcast. We, you know, we on a lot of different platforms, and we are super excited to have uh, clinical professionals uh, like Dr. Amber Beal, PhD, MBA, clinical uh, uh, psychologist. You know, that brings you the the most information that that's going to help you mentally to deal with this. Uh, quarantine and uh, COVID-19 pandemic because a lot of people are struggling right now. So it was very important for me to connect with her and get the professional therapeutic advice and, uh, you know, that can really help you. Now, if you need more information and uh, need more help as far as dealing with your anxiety, um, your depression, a mental health issue, PTSD, make sure that you contact uh, Dr. Beal there. She just dropped all her information on there. So make sure that you contact with her, and she's going to do the best she can do to get you the, 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 the therapy that you need that's going to really help you. And I think, I think it's going to be a great benefit to your mental health and your emotional health. So, you know, we appreciate you guys. Thank you. And Dr. Beal, I really appreciate you once again. Thank you so much for such an amazing interview on the podcast. And uh, just hold the line for me. And uh, for all you guys, just make sure that you reach out to Dr. Bill and uh, make sure that you purchase her book when it comes out. You know, definitely do that. And then we look for her book to be marketed and and, and, um, over here on this podcast too because, you know, for every guest, if, if, if a guest has a product or a service, we're going to really market their product or service uh, on this podcast, okay, because you contributed to the platform. So that's what we do as an added benefit for all guests. So when it comes out, make sure that you get the information to me, and then we can plug it out running as commercials or whatnot like that for you on the podcast. So, you know, once again, this is the Your Best Lifestyle Podcast. If you love to be a guest, you love to advertise, you want to sponsor, you need to run a, uh, a one-minute commercial, whatever else you want to promote, you know, on the podcast, just let us know, man, and visit us at www.yourbestlifestyles.com. That's www.yourbestlifestyles, with an S, dot com to connect with us. And like Dr. Bill just said, we answered emails typically right away. <laughs> we are there, you know. So reach out to us, and um, and uh, we'll talk to you soon. Have a good night. This episode of the Your Best Lifestyle podcast is sponsored today by the O. Robinson PRN Media Group, a group of dedicated PR professionals with proven years of experience in multiple facets of the industry. Their team comprises of editorial professionals, web designers, internet marketing specialists, and others. 
as a full servant agency, it's their duty to serve you wholeheartedly and keep you abreast and informed on the latest industry trends as they relate to your needs. Their goal is to show that they provide you with professional PR services with proven and tested professional delivery of press kits, media kits, sponsorship packages, set up endorsement deals, brand ambassador deals, red carpet interviews, guest appearances on many media outlets. They are not just another PR media group, they are success driven professionals. Visit them today for more information at www.orobinsonprmediagroup.com. That's www.orobinsonprmediagroup.com.